This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. We're part of something much bigger than sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today, guys, it is a Madness Monday. Emphasis on the madness. March Madness kicked off. Yeah, it was a little bit different. Yep, we lost a team to COVID protocol violations, which was unfortunate, Virginia Commonwealth. But uh, the games, for the most part, went on. There were some insane upsets, Lynchy. Uh, (laughs) Is your bracket busted? How, How are you looking? Well, as I was telling Michael Barr before we went on, it looks like a math test I had uh, with, with red ink all over it. That's pretty much, or it looks like I cut myself shaving when I was uh, filling in my brackets. It's awful. But if that's this is the great part about single elimination, is yeah. that you know a lot of these teams, if they played a three out of five, probably the favorite team would win. But yeah. that's not how the NCAA works. And I love it because these teams, you know, Oral Roberts, Abilene Christian, Loyola Chicago, uh, even Syracuse uh, coming uh, and uh, winning two games and beating uh, beating West Virginia with the coach's son scoring 25. Uh, it's it's the greatest show on earth. I look forward to it every March. I know like everybody else does. And we got 12 hours of basketball today on Monday, too. So I know what my day is going to be like when uh, we sign off. Yeah, Lynchy goes horizontal once again. Yeah. Um, so, Barr, I mean, it's interesting, too, and I'm sure you've been looking at this at, from the business of sports perspective. Ratings were, you know, pretty good. They weren't quite as good as 2019, but, I mean, it's still the thing that everybody's watching. We're getting our groove back watching sports on TV, especially now that we've got the NCAA tournament. And my goodness, Oral Roberts, I mean, this is like Mayberry, you know, going deep (laughs) into the tournament. And and this is amazing to me. If – if, if that team makes the Elite Eight, it, oh, my goodness. It, it, yeah. That's going to be the story of the year. And Oral Roberts, now they've got their name on the map basketball-wise. That's got to help their sports program, and that's got to help bring in dollars. Yeah, I mean, I have to say one of the things that really warmed my heart, and I like – Everyone else on the planet who's not in some way associated to Oral Roberts did not have them at this point uh, in their bracket. But seeing those live shots back to campus, you know, it really Mm. did take me back to, you know, why we love this so much and and why there is so much money that is invested and invested from a sponsorship standpoint and so much money generated because, Lynchy, as you know— March Madness is the single biggest revenue generator by a factor of many for the NCAA. This is where all the money comes in every year. This funds everything because the college football playoff is a whole separate thing. This is where the NCAA makes its money, and rightly so. I mean, it's freaking exciting. It's, it's exciting, and despite the fact that we have COVID, we have no bands, no fans, every single spot with CBS and TNT – and TBS and True TV is sold out and was sold out before the tournament started. And I think that's really a testament to to the event itself 
and the popularity of the event. It's different to watch uh, this year. You know, when they go to that wide shot, you just don't, you know, it's timeouts. You don't hear the school band playing, right. which uh, really adds a lot of enthusiasm to it. But sponsors are, are out there, and they're paying money, and the, the spots are full. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favorite moment, I think, is a little bit of a throwback, and it is Loyola Chicago, which, again, I didn't have them going deep, but you can't bet against Sister Jean. You know, Sister Jean (laughs) was there. Uh, Once again, she is 101 years old. Uh, She is widely considered college basketball's most beloved fan. I got to read this. I'm, I'm trying to find it so I can actually read it. Her prayer to the team was so amazing because it basically said so here's here is part of the here's part of the prayer. I'm just gonna get it. <laughs> this is in a prayer. Quote, we hope to score early and make our opponents nervous. We have a great opportunity to convert rebounds as this team makes about fifty percent of layups and thirty percent of its three pointers. Our defense can take care of that. Amen. I mean, like that's that's, in, that's incredible, Lynchy. Like, first of all, deep knowledge of the game. Second of all, it's it reminds me of, and if my parents and my brothers are listening to this, it they will know this story. It reminds me of when my one of my brothers was playing high school football down in Georgia, and the at a Catholic school, and the chaplain for the team got up at the end of the year banquet after a tough season. And he basically gave this a, a similar sort of prayer, and he said, "Lord, we didn't do very well this year, and we really need your strength next year to beat our opponents and beat them badly." <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, again, don't sleep on Sister Jean because Loyola Chicago—they're still hanging around. And the, this is why this is why we love the tournament, Lynchy. There's always some some character and some story that surfaces. We all fell in love with her a few years ago when they had their great run. Uh, when I went to Catholic elementary schools, I think of nuns with a ruler in their hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> palms up or palms down. I always try to go palms up because I don't want the knuckles to get hurt. But, you know, I can't imagine Sister Jean with a ruler at any point in her career. No, but and she is absolutely the, the spiritual leader of that team uh, for sure. So it's interesting when we think about the NCAA tournament, increasingly, there's more and more attention, rightly, uh, paid to the women's version of this. Uh, that, of course, is being played in a bubble in San Antonio, similar to how it's being played in a bubble in Indianapolis for the men. But you know what's not similar, Michael Barr? The mm-hmm. way that the respective genders are being treated when it comes to facilities, and that went viral Big time over the weekend. Did you see the pictures between the two? The, yes. The, the weight, the the weight centers for the women and the weight centers for the men. I don't. Boy, that we need to correct that real fast. Which which brings me to the next point, is that that many of women's sports are picking up. The NCAA women's tournament is picking up momentum, and it, it's is right now. It's almost as popular as it's ever been. So why we have that disparity, uh, and uh, Coach uh, Muffet McGraw put that out there, and, and bless, uh, I don't understand why we got that problem. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, Lynchy, is, you know, it would have been kind of secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand in a pre-social media era, 
But one player just put it out there, and man, it picked up on TikTok, it picked up on Twitter, and all of a sudden, very quickly, I mean, within hours, really, the world was talking about this. And that's part of, I think, the very important thing we've seen in terms of how the economics of sports changed, how parity changes, how equality changes, because it's out there now. Well, the, the video you're referring to shows uh, this amazing smorgasbord spread of food for the men and then like a pile of toast for the women and this expansive uh, ballroom full of every weight you could possibly imagine and then a pile of dumbbells and yoga mats for the women. I did not know this in researching this story, but the NCAA tournament does not fall under Title IX, which right. kind of really su mm. surprised me. That, that, that shocked me. So... Um, I know there's a lot of finger pointing going on. First of all, fix the problem first and then find out somebody had to approve this. Yeah. I mean, they, they consult trainers. They consult uh, administrative officials from schools. Somebody had to say, okay, this is good. Yeah, this is good for the weights. This is good for the training room. This is good for the meals. This is good for the swag bag. Who did that? Who said this is fine? Yeah. I mean, look, there's been a lot of criticism fairly leveled against the NCAA around this. I, I too, was very surprised uh, about the lack of Title IX oversight here. Title IX, of course, uh, has been around for decades and is meant to bring equal access and, and equal opportunity to sports for men and women at the collegiate level. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things to me, because uh, I love the business aspects of all this, and I love opportunistic business, but you saw, I don't know if you guys saw this, Orange Theory, you know, which is a well-known uh, kind of national chain of boutique gyms, they basically tweeted and said, we are opening up all of our facilities in the San Antonio area. You can come and train there. Uh, Tonal, which is a very uh, well-known up-and-coming at-home fitness gym, they were sending 10. It's a, based on a mirror. It's sort of like mirror. Um, yep. They were sending 10 uh, tonal systems to arrive in San Antonio. They tweeted that they were going to do that. So, you know, capitalism is a beautiful thing. And some smart marketing managers and CEOs and, uh, and folks in the fitness world are, are taking advantage of this moment. Needless to say, this won't happen again. They did fix it uh, over the weekend, but a, a real black eye here. And, you know, as you sort of go down the rabbit holes of – of this story, you do see people on Twitter because people love their hot takes on Twitter talking about how it's like, well, it makes less money. And so they shouldn't do as much. And, you know, but as you pointed out, Michael Barr, the ratings are going up. And the reality is, is that if you invest more in it, then people will what, you know, I mean, it's just, that's not a good excuse. I just, that doesn't, that, that, that doesn't pan out for me. No, I, I agree with you 10,000%. It, it's it's not a good look. And if, and you like you said, if you have any sports training company that wants to be smart and uh, get their name out there, go out there and say, hey, all right, we're going to provide these Pelotons. We're going to provide these. We're going to do what we can to make sure that the women's facilities are just as good as the men's facilities. So there's an opportunity out there for a smart business uh, venture out there if the companies want to step up. And so, Lynchy, one thing I wanted to throw at you real quick before we move on, which has nothing to do with the NCAA, but uh, 
the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, uh, he uh, equated the spending spree that he and his team were going on is like investing in the stock market. This is the quote that he said to Peter King. I don't know if you guys saw this. Quote, this is Robert Kraft. You take advantage of corrections and inefficiencies in the market when you can, and that's what we did here. We'll see. Nothing is guaranteed, and I'm very cognizant of that. But we're not in the business to be in business. We're in this business to win. And if that isn't music to Bill Belichick's ears, I don't know what is. And to everyone in New England, too, yeah. coming off a 7-9 and nine season and still wondering if Kim Newton is going to be the quarterback come the second weekend in September. Yes. I, I have one, one quick question about the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Is this a legitimate tournament without the Ivy League participating? Yes. Okay. Just want to know. No asterisk here. <laughs> nice try. Nice, nice try, double varsity athlete. We, we got you. We got you. You weren't a hooper, though, you know, as far as we know. I don't, I don't, who knows, Lynchy? Maybe you were, like, secretly under a pseudonym playing on the uh, Harvard basketball team as well. Um, you know who was on I, the team? J- JB, James Brown, was on the team when I was there. There you go. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I do think that there are – I sort of quickly dismissed your question, but it is a, it is a good one <laughs> in the sense of, you know, all of this has been upside down. This whole football season has been upside down. The basketball season obviously um, was upside down. You know, you have had one team, as we talked about, already dismissed for violating COVID protocols, which I still don't know exactly how that happened because presumably every team was in some form of quarantine back on their own campus before they got there. But and I don't know if there has been or will be any sort of investigation there. You know, here's hoping it doesn't happen again. And obviously the bubble gets smaller and smaller as the tournament goes on. And nobody who's there now is leaving. Nobody new is coming in from a player and a, and a team perspective. Um, but there are a limited number of fans in the stands. It was weird to watch it um, because, you know, instead of doing the wide shot where you would see, you know, the masses of fans jumping up and down, you would have this sort of tight little shot on 18 Oral Roberts fans, like, jumping up and down in, in their masks. So, but this is uh, this is the world we're living in. Uh, there are limited fans watching some NBA games, and one of the things that, unfortunately, people – Got to witness uh, a few in person and if many more uh, online and on TV was LaMelo Ball. Um, tough, tough injury that may take him out for the balance of the season. This is a rising star, Lynchy, in the league. You know, one of the most watched teams. There was a great moment in the last week or so with him and LeBron facing off for the first time. Uh, a lot of hope there for the Charlotte team with him. Um, you hate to see it. You hate to see it early in a career, too. You know, he was the third overall pick. He's uh, lived up to all his expectations. Yeah. He probably would have been Rookie of the Year. Uh, 16 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds so far in, in 41 games. Uh, his team right now is uh, holding on to that eighth and final playoff spot in the East, but there's a whole bunch of teams uh, separated by about a game and a half right there, so that could change. And and un- unfortunately, you know, for Michael Jordan, Charlotte Hornets, uh, when he's uh, if, if LaMelo is out for the year, it's going to be a tough run for them to make the playoffs. Can I uh, just point one thing out, Michael Barr, moving a little bit uh, further south from Charlotte? You know who's on a tear? Your Atlanta <laughs> yes, Hawks. Not yes. your Atlanta Hawks, my Atlanta Hawks. Um, 8 0. Uh, since Nate McMillan took over as the uh, interim coach, Lloyd Pierce uh, was relieved of his duties. And, you know, you never know 
what's going to happen when you bring someone new in, but uh, I don't know, maybe a lesson in, in shaking it up there because the Hawks, after missing the playoffs for three years in a row, are now very much in the mix right there in the in the middle of the hunt for uh, for a playoff spot. So that's good. I'm going to let you Happiness. in on a little secret. And when <laughs> Before, back in the day, when I wanted to make a lot of money betting, I'd bet against the Hawks, just straight up. And, <laughs> I, and, and I made a nice chunk of change doing that. <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, so then one day, like you said, I'm looking at the, the record, and it's like, am I seeing that right? Eight straight? It's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, in fact, they were playing, speaking of injuries, uh, they were playing the Lakers and mm-hmm. last week, and uh, LeBron James went down with a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for some uh, indeterminate amount of time presumably because it is a sprain he will be back but it does it affects his chances at the MVP uh it also you know potentially affects what's going on uh with the team with the Lakers and their seating given that Anthony Davis uh has also been out for some amount of time so uh you know we want these players healthy it's good for business it's good for uh viewership it's you know it's good for them as human beings as well well, just rounding this out, uh, I want to note something that I think we all uh, noted over the weekend. And in fact, my mom uh, emailed me about it and reminded me that when I was a kid uh, living in Boston in the early 80s, uh, we went to watch the Boston Marathon and we saw Dick Hoyt, now the late Dick Hoyt, um, yeah. pushing his son as he did many, many times across many marathons, including the Boston Marathon. Uh and my mom recounted to me, and, and I remember this clearly, you know, her explaining to me what he was doing, you know, that he was pushing his son who couldn't walk, you know, through this entire marathon. Lynchy, having seen that story up close and personal, remind us, uh, remind us about this story and the importance, especially in Boston and to the Boston Marathon, it being the pinnacle of the sport of Dick Hoyt. Well, Dick Hoyt uh, died last week at the age of 80, and he has a son, uh, Rick Hoyt, who is now 59, who was born with cerebral palsy. And he wanted to participate in a race. So he showed up at the first Boston Marathon and was not welcome. A lot of people, the elite runners said, I don't want to get tangled up with a wheelchair and somebody pushing. It's not right. Well, Dick Hoyt wouldn't take no for an answer. And he may befriended Joan Benoit Samuelson and Bill Rogers, who went right to the BAA, and they gave him... A, a number to participate. And the rest basically is history. He ran 32 Boston Marathons, and Dick and Rick Hoyt became the face of the Boston Marathon. Matter of fact, a few yards from the starting line in Hopkinton, there's a statue of Dick pushing Rick Hoyt. And, you know, 70 marathons altogether, 250 triathlons. He would swim in the ocean and tie a rope around his neck and swim and pull his son who was in the raft and then they'd get back on land and then they would hop in their uh, their wheelchair and push and then they would ride a bike and he would just uh, put him in a little carriage behind the bike. Just an amazing person, a warrior is what I called him and just uh, just so inspirational. I mean, he would get the loudest ovation when he, when, when he passed wherever you were watching the marathon on that 26-mile route and... Uh, and now there are Team Hoyts, uh, the, uh, little road races in towns, these little 5Ks. Team Hoyt will come up, and they'll, uh, they'll send like 15 runners or so. Uh, you know, Dick and Rick you know, couldn't be every place at one time, so they developed a, um, a foundation, 
and what he has done for people that thought that they were shut out and they couldn't participate um, has done for their self-worth and has done for people who were disabled. Now it's, it's become, it, it's, a, it's an event in the Boston Marathon as it is in marathons around the world now. Wheelchair well, men and women. Yeah, and it's interesting too to, to think about it. And, um, and I was thinking about it from the perspective of not only the, you know, the incredible human story, but also the opportunity. I think you can point back to Dick Hoyt in many ways for ushering in the incredibly powerful charitable element that is now mm. tied to marathons in, in many ways. And, and you know, Lynchy, and, and you do as well, Michael Barr, that especially for Boston, it is a massive millions of dollars that are raised every year when the marathon uh, is run. And that has, because it's Boston sort of cascaded through the marathon industry, the racing industry, you know, you have team and training, you have um, Fred's team here in New York City, um, where whereby people raise money to run marathons. And, you know, having run some marathons, it is not easy, um, but the meaning underneath it, and I think the meaning that Dick Hoyt uh, brought, and I think, and Michael Barr, you know, I think you would agree with this. I feel like he is among the people who sort of brought the marathon into the mainstream because of this incredible accomplishment. And, you know, and so so the legacy is so far beyond even um, what he did for his son, which is in and of itself immeasurable. Well, to give you an idea, uh, Dick Hoyt, he wasn't just a, a local Boston figure. He was a national figure yeah. because back in Detroit and I'm watching the video of Dick Hoyt and he's got his son and they're running the marathon. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is gold, just solid gold. And it, you couldn't help but to have feelings about this. And, and you know, everybody is, is coming around watching this and on the TV set back then and just admiring this guy or something else. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Dick Barr Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Jason Kelly. You can follow me at Jason Kelly News. We're here with you each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. Joining us again as the week goes on. On Wednesday, we're going to catch up with Devin Gordon. He's got a new book, and it is fantastic. It's about the New York Mets, and it's called, appropriately, So Many Ways to Lose. And then on Thursday, we're going to check in with the Lucas Oil Stadium director, Eric Neuberger, of course, host of this very unusual March Madness, including the Final Four, coming up in just a couple weeks. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.